0: Uh, check one, check one. Looks like I'm recording. My voice sounds silky smooth and fresh. Hey, Jim. Hey, Catherine. What's new? These unemployment numbers. I thought that was the first thing you were going to mention to me.
1: <laughs> no, you you tell you tell me.
0: Okay. Well, it was three million uh, a couple days ago, and that was big news that the three million people had filed for unemployment. Now it's more than double that. It seems six point. Six five million people last week filing for unemployment,
1: mm-hmm.
0: but I personally know people also who are losing their jobs now in journalism too, um, mm-hmm. and even even. I mean, what is people. the
1: plan? Well, like, the, yeah, <laughs> we have to completely close down the economy to not have millions of people die. What's our plan for that?
0: <laughs> this is a whole episode in itself, but I I can say it's going to be constant. Um, bailouts and stimulus packages, and I would like to throw out the idea that potentially journalistic institutions could be as well.
1: I don't think anybody cares about the journalists right now. Don't um, they want the information, though?
0: I mean, I feel like people appreciate some of the having knowledge about the virus, right?
1: Listen, I have a more pressing question Okay. than the future of journalism. Sorry. Um, I'm almost out of food.
0: You are almost out of food. Yeah. What are you going to do about that?
1: Well, that's my question. So at this point, I mean, I've gotten kind of actually genuinely a bit scared of going outside. I just don't want to go, you know, I, and not even out of concern for myself, although, I mean, I definitely don't want to get sick, but I also, it's, I worry about being like asymptomatic or something and somehow spreading it, you know, and it's like, I am a danger to others. Others are a danger to me. I need things. So my two options are I go outside and endanger other people, or I request people bring things to me and also endanger other people. Right. Should I be out and about? Should I not? What is the least harmful thing to do right now, given that, you know, I have one can of tuna left?
0: Oh, you didn't mention the tuna. Bury the lead. (laughs) I, you know, I have thoughts on this. But also one of our colleagues has done some good reporting on this specific issue of how to get food. Mm-hmm. Because it is something that you continue to need even when the virus is out there. So let's,
1: mm-hmm.
0: let's call Olga Kazan. She's a staff writer. She writes about health. Olga, are you there? Hello, hello. Hello.
2: Hi. Okay. That took a while. Sorry. I had to like rotate through a million different audio inputs. Um, sorry. Okay. Olga,
1: how are you doing? Um,
2: I, I'm i hanging in there. I, yeah. There have been like more uh,
1: chill times in my life, I would say. Sure. Tell me about the chillest time in your life. <laughs> Can you paint a picture of like the chillest day?
2: Um, the chillest day would probably not be in Arlington, Virginia in the middle of a pandemic. <laughs> All Would right. Probably be on a beach somewhere.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's not happening for us. Um, All right. So Olga, I was just talking to Jim about a dilemma that I was hoping you could help with. Mm-hmm. I, I did a little pantry inventory this morning and I have one can of tuna, mm-hmm. one box of mac and cheese, some rice, and some like frozen mini sausages, like half, half of a box. Mm-hmm. So I need to get supplies, but I don't know how because it seems like every option endangers someone.
2: Yeah. So so this is like the big, the big quandary right now is that people have to go get groceries. Like you can stop ordering your t-shirts from Amazon, but you still have to go get additional cans of tuna or what have you. A lot of people have been telling me that it's been like unclear or scary to them to make the choice between going out on their own to the grocery store or trying to get delivery yeah which one is less risky health-wise and which one is more humane um but i would say that like yeah so the thing that gets lost in all of this is that the people who are really the most
1: at risk are the cashiers in the grocery store Cause it's like the most amount of interaction.
2: Yeah. Like if you think about it, we just like have not designed grocery stores with this in mind, right? Like we have not like (laughs) thought about like, Oh, what if there's ever a pandemic? Would it not be a good idea for the Trader Joe's person to stand two feet away from like hundreds of people every day? You're just not supposed to be doing that right now. Like you're, you're not supposed to be that close to people right now. And like that just wasn't thought through at all. I would honestly order. I would order delivery. And then order tip, delivery. Tip the people really well, but it's a it's a judgment call. Like it's a judgment call. It's 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 that's not like a. Here's a third safe. option.
1: My local grocery store. It's like a small chain. I think they have two locations mm-hmm. near me. Um, they're doing pickup.
2: Yeah, is pickup good? Yes. Or bad. That's the yes. I would say that's great because you're not. You don't want to be in that the the maze of aisles that are not six feet wide with people. Touching things with your grubby hands, Catherine. (laughs) My grubby, grubby hands.
0: (laughs) She refuses to wash them. You want
2: to be, you want to be like in and out, basically. You're trying, you're trying to socially distance. So you're trying to minimize the amount of time that you're around other
1: people. Yeah. So tell me about how you started looking into this whole situation.
2: Yeah, the past couple of weeks, I have been um, reporting and writing about uh, retail workers, specifically grocery store clerks and Amazon warehouse employees um, during this pandemic and some of the challenges that they're facing and how best the rest of us can help with or mitigate those challenges.
1: So in this reporting, like how have you been doing this reporting and and who have you been hearing from? I started out
2: by just reaching out to social media groups of workers collectives. Um, None of these places really have unions, but they have like little, there'll be like a group of like vociferous workers. Um, And I started reaching out to them and I kind of got in with a bunch of these little groups on on, like Telegram and Twitter and Facebook. Um, And then I started talking to individual workers and they kind of introduced me to other workers.
1: Can you give me a specific story of someone you talked to? Yeah. So one person
2: that I just recently um, chatted with, she took a trip and when she got back from the trip, uh, she was told to go like stay home for 14 days. Trader Joe's told her it was it was mandatory to do 14 days of quarantine. And she was like, "Okay, fine. And then I guess Trader Joe's has a sick leave policy. So she asked them if she could get paid for that time. And they were like, no, like, we're not going to pay you. So she basically missed out on two weeks worth of pay because Trader Joe's told her she had to stay home in quarantine to avoid getting the other cashiers sick. But she's not going to get paid because it was, quote, her choice to go on the trip. So that's like an example of one where it's like they allegedly have this policy, but in the application of it, it, things kind of fall apart and people miss out on money. And this is a person who makes, she makes $14 and 60 cents an hour. So, you know, it's not like this person has a ton of money to throw around for those two weeks that she's not getting paid.
1: Is she provided Um, healthcare by her job?
2: I think she doesn't qualify for healthcare yet because you have to have been there for a certain number of hours. Um, Mm -hmm. And this is like another issue that I'm running into. And I should say I have not reached out to Trader Joe's yet for comment on that um, Mm -hmm. story. So TBD on what they have to say about that. But so another issue that I'm running into is like Amazon. A lot of those workers fall below the threshold that Amazon would have to give them health care. So essentially they are kind of feeling doubly scared because they feel like they can't go into work if they're sick they also are worried about getting paid, but they also, if they get really sick, can't go to the hospital because they don't have health insurance.
1: It seems like we're in this situation where the the most essential workers are also the least protected and the most vulnerable. Yeah, I mean, that's really kind of the thing that I've been
2: coming to. And and, and a lot of the workers have been saying this to me, too, is like, you know, you always think about the grocery checkers as the most replaceable possible people i feel like societally that is how they're thought of um or or an amazon warehouse employee but now those workers are the most essential like they're literally the grocery store is the only place you can go or you know the pharmacy um right amazon is the only way you can get any stuff like the, the only people keeping America running right now are delivery workers and warehouse employees. And I think they're starting to be like, whoa, wait a minute. You get to stay at home in your apartment and like type things. I have mm-hmm. to be out here getting coughed on by strangers and packing your boxes. And I'm not even getting any pay or protections or support as I'm doing this. And I think they're really freaked out about that.
0: Have you come across any talk of promises of hazard pay or talk of hazard pay for people like grocery cashiers?
2: Yeah, so some of them do get hazard pay. Several stores are doing hazard pay where they're giving people two extra dollars an hour. Um, so that would bump hmm. you from like $15 to $17. But some of them are saying like, well, that's, not really enough money for me to risk my life and and i've had a lot of people who are older and work in some of these settings and they're like what should i do should i continue to go to work and basically risk my life for you know whatever it is 17 dollars an hour instead of 15 right or should i just take unemployment and like quit my job basically because it's too dangerous for me to be there
0: um Uh, The other question about it is like if you made it enough, you're kind of incentivizing people to go out even when they might be feeling sort of sick and they need to be being paid to not go to work.
2: We really need people who are. Even a little bit sick to not not go in. And and I think um, so they have said that, like, you can have a lot of these places like Amazon is one example has said that you can have like unlimited call outs, like for a certain period of time, you could call out sick as many days as you wanted and you didn't have to come to work and it wouldn't count against you, but you also wouldn't get paid. But the problem there is that, like, if there's all these questions about whether you're going to get paid or not for a sick day, it it does incentivize people to come into work. So if you're kind of wake up and like, who hasn't woken up feeling like a little scratchy throat, not maybe 100 percent, you know, if I wasn't sure if I was going to get paid, I would probably risk it and come to work. A few of these retail workers have told me that, like, they feel bad about calling out because they know how short staffed everyone is and how much harder that makes it. So
1: what's the solution here?
2: The the most obvious things is like guarantee these these paid sick days, right? Make it so that there's not a question that you're not having to jump through a million HR hoops to get your sick days paid so that you know that you'll be able to stay home for the full, you know, two week quarantine or whatever, if you really need to. And a lot of these workers want more transparency. Like if someone gets COVID at your warehouse, they want to be told when it happened, they want the warehouse shut down for a certain period of time for cleaning. I don't know, maybe it's like security theater or whatever, but I feel like they want to feel more secure about their ability to sanitize everything as they're going about their day. So like more wipes and things for Instacart delivery workers.
1: Now it is, I mean, what do you think? We're all in the comfort of our own homes, uh, Zooming with each other, you know, debating whether we should go outside. I mean, there's a very obvious... It feels like right now there are like four classes of people. There are sick people, people who are taking care of sick people, people who are inside on the internet, and then people who are delivering things to the people inside on the internet.
2: Yeah, well, don't forget laid off people, unfortunately. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I think in general, like kind of a general thing is that these workers are starting to rethink the way that society treats their jobs and that um, you know, everyone from Instacart to Whole Foods to Amazon is saying, "Can you pay us more? like if we're so important, <laughs> yeah, you're so indispensable. <laughs> yeah, like if you're essential and you have to come in and everyone's relying on us, should we be paid like maybe slightly more than fifteen dollars an hour, you know, or maybe slightly more than 17? Like I think they're starting to rethink the typical way society thinks about their jobs.
0: Right, right.
2: Well, and you say rethink, but I mean i'd I'd be pissed. Yeah, I mean, I think they're angry. I think that's why you're having strikes and walkouts. I think that's why they're reaching out to journalists, um, because they want their stories told and they want change to happen.
1: What does that mean for us? And is this is this just sort of showing us the stratification that already exists in, in a way that's more stark than usual? Or is this something unique that's happening?
2: Yeah. So I, th- I think the answer is both. Um, so I think it is revealing the fault lines in American society I- in a much more stark way, right? Because people are are literally risking their lives to like do these service jobs, which I I think didn't r- really like hit home for us before. I think it's I think it's going to be an interesting moment. Like I think it's going to be difficult to claw back some of these worker protections after this is all over, right? It's it's really hard to tell someone, oh, yeah, that time that you had COVID, you could have called out for two weeks and gotten paid still. But, you know, now that you have the flu, feel free to come in and just cough all over everyone. Like, I think it's going to be tricky to put the genie back in the bottle. So we might. I mean, the U.S. has not traditionally had, like, a very strong workers' rights movement. Labor unions are notoriously weak here. There's just not that many strikes. I, I do wonder if you're beginning to see, like, a turning point where people in service professions are going to be taken more seriously and their concerns are going to be recognized more widely because of what they've been through.
1: Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Why why do you think I mean why do you think that this country sort of tolerates fewer workers rights than than other countries historically?
2: I mean so I've been talking to sociologists about this and their big idea is that essentially Americans have this belief that like anyone can be a billionaire. But bizarrely, billionaires are also special and like amazing. And they've done these amazing things to Mm -hmm. acquire their wealth. So there's a lot of admiration among Americans for the rich. And a lot of sociologists and people who study class believe that this might start to be a turnaround point. You kind of saw this with like the rise of, of Trump, right? Oh, he was such a successful businessman. Of course, he'd be a great president was like a narrative that a lot of people had. But now it's like the successful businessmen are like holed up in their basements and the like cashiers are <laughs> are the heroes of society. You know, um, I wonder if we're going to start to see a change in the way we think about poverty and wealth in the U.S.
1: And class. That would be something.
0: Olga, you know, you and I have written about health for a long time, and something that emerges in a lot of the stories you've written is this tie between wealth and health and how they're almost sort of synonymous. I mean, they the Venn diagrams certainly, yeah. overlap. And it seems like here you're just bringing you're bringing that into this lens of really stark relief where there are people who cannot miss a, a day a shift or or, or certainly couldn't miss a week of work um and still make rent and those are the people who have to go out and get exposed to people in close contact every single day and meanwhile it's the wealthy people who can hole up in their second home
2: yeah i mean it is like if you think about it actually doctors are pretty much the only remaining member of the like professional class that still has direct contact with the public. One of the people I was talking to said, like, social isolation is a is like a luxury privilege right now. Everyone who has a (laughs) bullshit job (laughs) can like, you know, sit on the Internet all day and basically still accomplish the same thing. But everyone who like actually does actual things to make sure that like we can all make our pasta tonight is at risk of getting COVID. And I, I do think that it's like an unusual moment because it's, it, it, it is really, normally like we have to bring out all these charts and say like, look, the obesity rates among this lower income stratum. But right now we're like, look, your grocery cashier that you saw today is, you know, not protected in any way. They're, they're directly in the line of fire.
0: Right, right.
1: All right, so, well, Olga, I wish you um, as much chillness as, as possible. Uh, thank you.
2: Yeah, and everyone who's bored could also pre-order my book, Weird. Oh yeah, it comes out on April seventh. Right.
0: Congratulations on the book.
2: Wait, let's hear about your book. My book's called Weird. It comes out April seventh. It is about the science of nonconformity, and it does not have to do with coronavirus. But you should buy it anyway, please. <laughs>
1: Are you among the weird?
2: I am among the weird. Well, I I was among the weird, and then I got me interested in other people who are weird. Um, so there's a bunch of people in the book who are different from everyone else around them in various ways. And if you've ever felt like kind of a outcast or an outsider, you might find solace in some of their stories.
1: Yeah, I mean, I definitely can't relate to that, but maybe Jim can. What? <laughs>
0: no, I probably can. Um, no, I, yeah. I'm kidding.
1: This sounds like the book for me. 100%. I can't wait to see it. And
0: honestly, I think everyone feels like an outcast right now. I mean, just... There's no way to physically feel like you are, like, interwoven into the insides of what's going on right now. Everyone feels like there's no universe to be the center of. Anyway, we're all outsiders right now, so this book is now suddenly broadly applicable.
2: Yes. Even to people uh, like
0: me who are kind of just, like, running, like, really integral to the n- New York City um, social scene.
2: Yeah. I'm sure they really miss you, Jim.
0: Yeah. Tightly woven fabric. but
1: um yeah thank you Olga yeah. thank you guys we'll talk thank to you. you soon all right talk to you later okay thanks right. bye Bye. okay uh so we'll talk more tomorrow but what we should say is that this show is produced by Alvin Mouth and Kevin Townsend with help from Anna Waters and Jacqueline Landry you can write us at social distance at dot and I just wanted to say we got a really nice note from uh from someone that I wanted to call out and and thank specifically. I actually wanted to pass along a little bit of the note cuz I thought it was helpful to me. Um Liz wrote us uh who is a pastor and she said um It's okay to have these moments where we do feel overwhelmed by the weight of this situation. I'm a pastor and I try to walk alongside our community and tell people to work and hope and pray for the best, but it's okay to admit that we're not doing okay. We live in a culture that oftentimes tells us to bury all the bad feelings or don't burden others with them. And certainly while we don't want to give in to panic all the time, I do think it's been helpful to say to one another that this is hard, overwhelming, too much to bear Pretending that we are doing okay isn't going to do ourselves or those around us any favors. We need to focus on what we can do within our community, even if our community is literally only our neighbors or family around us. I do believe that is where we will find hope and courage to continue doing what we can do. I thought that was very well said, and I appreciate Liz writing. So thank you to everyone who's been writing.
0: Yeah, that was really really I hope that's
1: helpful. Uh, If you like the show, tell your friends and write us a review on Apple Podcasts. It'll help more people find the show. All right. You got anything else, Jen?
0: Um, I mean, I got a lot more, but I'll I'll save it till tomorrow.
1: <laughs> okay. All right. I'm gonna go figure out my grocery situation.
0: Okay. Let me know if I can be of help to you.
1: Okay. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Bye.